0: Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod here in Brooklyn with forward Torian Prince. Let's get right to it. And remember, Sunday night, 7 p.m. on ESPN2, the return of the Woj and Lowe show, the starting line to the NBA's trade deadline. Join us on Sunday at 7 and stay with us now for my visit with Torian Prince of the Brooklyn Nets. Here in Brooklyn with Nets forward Torian Prince. Torian, how are you?
1: I'm doing good. How about you?
0: I'm good. Basking in the Baylor football Sugar Bowl
1: berth. You, you've got to be, right? Yeah, it has to be. has to be. They're going crazy right now. Congrats to them.
0: You know, i become a big, I don't say a big Baylor fan, but their coach, your coach, Matt Rule, who was at Temple, I got to know him, I met him at an NCAA tournament basketball game at Temple, and we were sitting next to each other. And he was—he's a big basketball fan. He's a big NBA fan, mm-hmm. and so we start talking, and like that. Next week, I was back in Philly, and I was going to dinner with an NBA coach. Invited him along. He came, became friends with the NBA coach, and he went from Temple to Baylor, and uh, it is unbelievable, unbelievable what he's done there.
1: Yeah, the tu- I think the turnaround he's done in the last couple of years has been magnificent. Back to on track of what Baylor's used to. Yeah, one win to go from the scandal, which was
0: unbelievable, right. what went on there. And then one win his first year, I think seven last year, and then 11 this year. And, you know, third-string quarterback, almost still beating Oklahoma right. with injuries. And, yeah, no, pretty amazing. Um Your run here, Tory in those last couple weeks, guys kind of got your legs back under you a little bit. Um, tough Western trip, and, you know, it's funny. It feels like the identity that this team had – Last year, it took a while with new guys, with the injuries. Kyrie was in and out, and you weren't here last year. You weren't in Atlanta, but you could almost, to me, it seems like the way that team played, that identity has kind of come back here as you guys have run off some games in a row. You know, you played really well. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie has been back at, you know, probably really an all star level, And, and this was kind of the Kenny Atkinson like team that attracted a couple pretty big free agents over the summer
1: yeah, yeah. i mean I, I can't disagree with that um last year they had a very hard-nosed team guys that got after it i think it definitely carried over this year we're big on being competitive and and doing anything um that it takes to win especially on the defense end and then when you add guys like joe like you said spencer was playing at a super high level and um Jared Allen, uh Garrett's even coming through offensively and everybody's just feeding off of each other. I think we can be one of the top tier teams for sure.
0: Getting traded to Brooklyn and you know, you, you got traded here when they were clearing cap space, you were part of that deal. They sent a couple first round picks to Atlanta, Alan Krabs' contract, and then you come back in the deal, your trade happens, free agency starts, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, uh DeAndre Jordan. I'll commit and sign. How do you then start imagining, like, the role? Because you're always thinking about it as a player when you get somewhere, like, what's my role going to be? What are they going to need out of me? Like, how did that thinking evolve as those guys start to line up in July?
1: Um, I did a lot of thinking. Uh, I think before, and like you said, exactly when, um, the free agents started rolling in and we started signing guys, kind of to veer off, figuring out, trying to figure out again who I would be for the Brooklyn Nets, but, um, that's the great thing about this organization that they're very transparent and um they made me feel very comfortable from the from the beginning to even have the ability to come and ask them just straight out what they needed from me and um, they wanted me to be a better rebounder than I was in the past um, better defender than I was in the past and um, just bring my shooting to the table and uh, whatever feeds off of that and i think i've i think I've held it up to um, the standard but i know there's Uh, another level that I could reach, for sure.
0: How much, Torian, is this league as you've learned in your time so far? I mean, everybody can play. And there is talent that comes from schools like Baylor and the Big 12, from schools you've never heard of, and from parts of the world you didn't know existed and players keep coming. That figuring out in this league, most of the league is comprised of role players, 90%, 92%, whatever you know, we can probably argue the definition of what a star star is, but how much of you think having staying power in this league is figuring out and accepting that, hey, it may not be what I imagined exactly when I came in the league, but this is what they need from me?
1: Um, I think it's one, uh, being beside yourself, living in reality, and realizing that um, you don't have to be an all star to one make a lot of money, which guys are very much into, or or help teams win games. Um, I think it's big that you find your niche, uh, whatever that may be. It's guys like Dennis Rodman, who got the accolades and and the the winning that he imposed on other teams because of just simply rebounding. That was his niche. Um, You don't have to score 35 points a game to be a champion. You can do other things in the league, so I think once guys figure out being besides themselves and just figuring out their niche and what they bring to the table to the organization that they're in. I think that can separate those guys that are in the league and end up getting pushed out because they can't get besides themselves and figure it out or the guys that find their niche and and just do what they do best for a very long time and they end up staying in the league for 10, 15 years.
0: Did that become very clear to you? Was there anybody who did a good job, whether it was a veteran or somebody else who did a pretty good job of explaining that to you on your way in or once you were in or do you do you just figure that out?
1: Um, I think I learned that in college. Coach Drew did a good job of um, holding everybody accountable and making everybody play their role to the best of their abilities. And um, one memory that really stands out to me is we were all in a circle one time. The Baylor crew and uh, Pierre Jackson specifically told me that it just wasn't my time yet. So... When I heard that, it was kind of like, what do you mean by that? But then as time went on, as I got older, got smarter, I realized as a junior and senior that I was nowhere close to playing and doing the things that I wanted to do as a basketball player that I was my freshman and sophomore year. So when he said it wasn't my time yet, that's basically saying, wait your turn, find your niche, and then do it well whenever it's your time. I think I carried that over to the NBA. And I've been blessed to play with a lot of good players um, on college team and NBA so I've always been the type to adapt and and just figure out what that team needs
0: you're like the rarest thing in the NBA anymore a senior lottery pick right there are many
1: yeah (laughs) there aren't
0: many senior first round picks anymore never mind lottery yes that's
1: that's, that's crazy Um, I mean I'm always big on experience as the best teacher so I took that into the draft I took that into interviews when um, teams were interviewing me and uh, I think I have a lot more intellect than people envision.
0: Tissot is the official watch of the NBA. Check out the latest timepieces on us.tissoshop.com and jewelry stores nationwide and on the wrists of NBA stars like Trey Young, Clay Thompson, and many more. Tissot is also the official timekeeper of the NBA, and they're bringing you a special opportunity tied to the most iconic moment in the game, Of course, that's the buzzer beater. Every time a buzzer beater happens, fans will be rewarded with prizes, including flyaway trips, autographed merch, game tickets, and more. Sign up now at us.tisoshop.com slash buzzer beater to enter for your chance to win. Don't wait, as a trip to the NBA All-Star 2020 will be rewarded soon. Tiso, this is your time. One thing in your story Torian that like I remember I read it maybe a couple years ago but it always stayed with me and and sometimes actually even thought of it when I walk into hotel rooms what do you do when you see a new bed you walk into whether it's hotel room where you live what do you do with a new bed
1: yeah I literally go jump on it (laughs) literally just to see how soft it is and uh, I'm big into just having a nice bed to sleep in um like you said, my story speaks for itself um everybody has their story, but um mine in particular just being appreciative of those type of things and um being able to examine how soft your bed is or or if it's comfortable or not is just a it's a blessing in yourself.
0: It's the idea Torian right of having a box spring and not just a bed that just
1: hits a hundred percent, yeah.
0: Where does that appreciation come from? What What was the first night, the second night that you remember from your childhood that impacted you about about not having that and what that felt like?
1: I think it was a time when me and my father had to spend some time in the Salvation Army, um, not having the bed that you always used to have probably growing up or envisioned that you'd have, sleeping on that different type of surface, really gave you the a, di- a different perspective from like I said the bed that you, that you used to have growing up and so when you have those things and then they're removed it's kind of like you wish you had them so when you receive them again it's, you're just a lot more appreciative of it
0: you know people who don't know your story there was um, a pretty significant stretch of time with you and when you were with your dad where you were homeless and you were for a stretch of time whether it was the Salvation Army or friends uh, staying in a friend's place or sleeping somewhere in between where that was the daily struggle. But I think what was really remarkable about your story is going through that, the thing that you seemed to take from your dad was despite being in those circumstances was the pride that your dad still carried himself with and the optimism, the hope that you were going to find your way out of it is that as much as anything that stays with you, and and when you think about that, isn't maybe sometimes it's not so much the mattress as how your dad carried himself and how you, as a young person, was looking at him and seeing, okay, like there's a lesson
1: here. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that's why I look up to my father as much as I do. Um, he's not some professional athlete, or he's not some high paid professional in any in any way shape or form but how he carried himself and like you said the optimism and his view of life even through negative situations i think i still keep with me to this day Um, whether it's in basketball or off the court and it's gotten me this this far and i plan for it to stick with me the rest of my life what do you think
0: people in this country don't understand about poverty people who are in those circumstances like you live a very this is a different life in the NBA and yeah what do you think having lived through it that people don't understand about the people who are going through it
1: uh, it's, it's a it's an everyday struggle um like I said I, I know I know what they're going through and it's more mental than than physical for sure so um I'm big on I mean I preach it to my family, the people around me every day That our, our biggest worry is probably somebody's best situation You know what I'm saying? Um, so not to let negative situations turn into more negative situations And know that there's a lot more people Whether it's in this country or even in third world countries That are having worse days than you Back to back to back Than this little worry that you may think is making your day bad
0: Describe to people what it's like to live in the the Salvation Army housing. How does it work? What's it like? What's the day like? What's the night like?
1: Um, Well, you get up. I mean, you don't have a separate bathroom, so you have to go. You have to get out of your cubicle and and go to the restroom, and you might see three, four different people every day that you may not know. But you got to brush your teeth and and, um, and shower and um, then you go about your day and then you just go I went to school so I go to school um, stabbed practice hooped dad would come to the school grab me we'd walk um, back to the Salvation Army whether we stayed there or went to a friend's house or uncle's house or whoever it may have been but in order to be in that room to be able to sleep in you have to be there by a certain amount of time or a certain time, I forgot which what it was, eight, nine, but it's kind of like you're controlled in a way, and um, you have to do things within the guidelines of to even be able to stay there.
0: What's it like to be a kid going to school every day who's homeless? What's school like when you're going through that?
1: Uh, well, I mean, I was on the basketball team. I was I was good at that time, so people didn't really expect it from me. I never really told anybody I didn't. Um, act like it and I think that's a big reason why my dad always kept that positive energy around me and I I carried it with me through school, through football practice, basketball practice and um, I just go back to my regular day with my father as if nothing was ever happening Um, nobody realized in school, I never even told my mother and that was an easy situation that I, I could have done to go back to San Antonio and live with her but I think me and my father's bond were was pretty much locked in by then you were with your
0: dad was your fear at the time that if you told your mom about this she was going to come get you and your dad was going to be
1: alone yeah for sure that's what um his fear was too so i mean that was something that we kept to ourselves and when she would come down and see me we would spent a few days together but we never really talked about anything besides the good and um kind of kept that image in her head that everything was good and kept it rolling.
0: In a lot of ways, touring you on the court, like in your sports career, I mean, you were something of a late bloomer. You weren't recruited at a real high level. Yeah. You ended up at Baylor, but you were in Brooklyn. You signed just down the street from here. Yeah,
1: L.I.U. Brooklyn. L.I.U. Brooklyn. Jim Ferry. Right. I signed the year before my senior year going into um that summer going into my senior year, um like I said I didn't really have a lot of offers. I wanted to solidify opportunity to play college ball and and also I, I promised my mother I would get a college degree and um so once I saw the opportunity, I took it and she's from Newark New Jersey, so okay, it's right around here um not too far so it was kind of like a a blessing and um then, like you said, Jim Ferry ended up getting a job at Duquesne and so I had to open up my recruitment because when I go on max preps and um, I might see top five players in Texas, it'd be Marcus Smart, OK State, Phil Forte, OK State, the Harrison Twins, Kentucky, and then me, LIU Brooklyn, and it's like something, something's <laughs> off there. So um, Jim Ferry going to Duquesne was kind of like another blessing and Uh, My dad didn't want me to, didn't want me to opt out of that. But then I had flipped it on him and and told him, like, you always preach to me that if there's something I want to go get it. And, um, he wanted me to be a big fish in a small pond. When in reality, me going to Baylor and being that small fish in a big pond allowed me to grow into a big fish. So it was a blessing in disguise.
0: How did LIU discover you in New York? They don't recruit nationally. I mean, like, you've got a lot of schools geographically. How did they, as you recall, find you, and and why at that time do you think no one else had offered you yet?
1: Well, I think they found me because they had, like, three, four guys that came from San Antonio. Themselves, um, I think it was Jason Brickman, um, Julian Boyd, and Brandon Thompson. Um, if I'm not mistaken so they were familiar with that area and uh, I came up here and, and that's one of the reasons I signed three or three, four guys that are familiar with the area and that are around the way and they know where I come from and kind of have the same background as far as basketball and they, they showed me a good time out here and I just wanted to be around those guys and, and, and compete and um, I think that's one of the main reasons w-
0: Was there any thought it was your first scholarship <coughs> offer right? Yep. coming from the circumstances you would come from I've got an offer I've got a scholarship I better take it before it's
1: gone 100% it? yeah that's exactly what it was um, and again I had promised my mother I would get a college degree so I didn't have many many other offers and they had one. they were I think back to back to back conference champions so I wanted to be a part of something a winning culture and so when I saw the opportunity I just took it Like like you said
0: you know, it's funny. I just was listening to uh, Doris Burke, who we work with at ESPN. Yeah. And I feel like I know Doris pretty well, but I had never heard this story from her. And she told on a podcast, she originally had committed to UMass out of high school because they were the first school. She was like one of eight kids, and they were never going to be able to pay for college. And UMass came into her house, and her dad, who was working two jobs, said, I think you need to take this. Like, And so she committed to UMass. She had visited it, wasn't really feeling it, but felt like, I guess he's right. Then I think the coach left and opens the door and she ends up going to Providence. But there is that sense, right, of like that fear of what if I pass on it and nobody else thinks I can play.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, at the end of the day, you don't know. And um, if you live a life of of appreciation, you know that nothing's guaranteed. So you want to take advantage of everything that comes your way. But um, I think there was a reason why she – the spirit came over her and, and let her know that that really wasn't the right place for her like you said her coach ended up leaving and, and put her in a better position and same for me um, it was a reason that Jim Ferry went to Duquesne and, and allowed me to open up my recruitment again because I mean three days later um, Scott Drew and Coach Tang and and um, those guys called me and that following weekend I went up there and, and did a couple workouts and I ended up signing with them and it was a blessing because it was three hours down the road from where I went to high school. Um, family was still able to come see me play. And not only that, I think Quincy Miller, QAC, um, Perry Jones, those guys were drafted. So yeah. had a lot of um, good player development coaching staff there that uh, got guys to the league. And I was also going to be able to play with Isaiah Austin, Rico Gathers, Corey Jefferson, Pierre Jackson. Brady has Hester, a lot of guys Gary Franklin, for a ball, the yeah exactly so yeah. being able to, to grow and being able to to be around those type of players every single day and, and test me and allow me to get better was just a blessing in disguise. I always wondered too when you've grown up that way like people take for granted
0: in the NBA like there's always a spread of food right like you come in the locker room there's a spread. You're on the road after the game. There's food. Then you get on the charter, mm-hmm. and there's more food. Right. Do you think about that sometimes? like how easily accessible it is compared to, like, there was no buffet spread at the Salvation Army, right? right? There was no – no, they, 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 they don't cater there. No,
1: yeah. never, never that. Um, you were getting three meals a day, and that's if you made it on time. Um, so uh, to be in the league and be able to have a great chef um, – my first three years in Atlanta and here, I definitely were one of those guys to take advantage of breakfast, um, lunch, and sometimes now I have a, a girl and a family, so I would take some home for them. Um, so, I mean, just I, just always being appreciative of the little things, man, because um, I think it goes a long way, and it, and, it, and it rubs off on the people around you for sure.
0: How so? How do you think it rubs off on people?
1: I mean, just seeing it every day, yeah. seeing, a, seeing a man that wakes up every morning, goes to work, Preaches these little things that may be cliche to the world, but the more you hear it, the more you start to believe it. And I think that's with anything that you hear say in the world. So I'm, I mean, just preaching hard work, um, staying ambitious, and always, always knowing that tomorrow is not promised. So it'll make you appreciate the day in front of you.
0: Like there's a whole, and you can go through the league, and you can find them everywhere. And some guys, you play with some of them in Brooklyn, guys who were not. Not everybody had your story. Not everybody went through what you went through. Right. But everyone's gone through, in many cases, circumstances that weren't easy. But guys who were not highly recruited, guys who were not stars on the AAU circuit and getting flown all over the country and having shoe companies, it can, at 12, 13, 14 years old, it can kind of, you know it, you've seen it, it can kind of twist your sense of reality and there's a sense of, well, this is always going to be here and my work is done or sort of complete right. because I'm getting – it's like what we do to young players in this country. And like all of a sudden, you know, that's why not every 13-, 14-, year old can continue to work real hard when they're, all of a sudden there's a lot thrown at them that age. Yeah. Like it's human nature. But guys like you in this league, though, it always seems to me have – like gm's coaches want them on their team right? yeah like there's a different mindset about how you attack it and you know you just signed the extension um in the off season two years and uh, about 30 million and i imagine you still come every day expecting you know someone's trying to take your job and like oh, that's how i'm competing
1: 100 um you can ask my one of my best friends and And a couple of my family members that were there when I signed it, when Sean Marks came to the house and we completed the deal, they asked me like, "You're not happy? Like, why aren't you like ecstatic?" And I'm like, "I'm happy, but at the end of the day, it's a lot more work to do." And um, I think I still have some gifts that people sent. Some, um, and I haven't even opened them and um, really, really tasted the champagne that was sent to me. It's just. Just another. It's just another level I know I can tap into and it's another, another level I know I can reach um, as a human being on and off the court because um, I feel like I truly believe that you're only as good on the court as you are off the court. So doing the right things off the court allow you to be a high-level player on the court and just got to continue to take care of your body, live the right way, and, and take care of the family around you. Some people sent you some bottles like champagne when you... Yeah Sign the extension Yeah Nice ones too
0: And they're still
1: They're still Yeah they're still Right there On the counter In my house But um I'm just I I tell the people All the time And people around me This extension were, Were for my For my kiddos And um I have two Beautiful children Um Mari And Amira One's two One's eight months So um I feel like That was for them And um I have a lot more work To do to Be able to take care Of myself
0: when you dream about what it might be like to get a contract at the NBA, I mean, you're already getting paid in the NBA. You're on a rookie contract. Yeah. But it's different when you sign that first extension, I think. Had you always imagined what it might feel like or what you would think? Did you. Was that something you even dreamed about or did you just thought about playing, not so much signing the contract?
1: Uh, well, I mean, uh, I'll be honest with you, coming from where I come from and being through what I've been through, um, that's definitely. One of the main reasons I play this game is not necessarily for the idea of money, but to be able to take care of the people around me. And um, I think that's the blessing within this all is able to uh, allow people to see and do things that they never thought they could do. Taking family places outside the country that they never thought they would be able to go, being able to receive gifts on Christmas um, that they never thought that they'd be able to do again. So um, it's big for me to just continue to work my tail off to be able to continue to give that to the people around me.
0: Was the first time you traveled, I know you did some USA basketball when you were, I think, in college, Mm -hmm. right? When your world is so small, when you're like living in a city and you're trying to find a place, the world probably feels not big, right? It feels street to street, block to block. Was that something that resonated with you when basketball started taking you some places?
1: Yeah, um, definitely was. Especially, like you said, in college you have that same routine. Um, In the league you have that same routine. And um, I'm big on adapting, though, to any situation that's thrown my way. Just adapting and and taking it for what it is. A lot of people don't know this, but my first college game that I was ever visited or been to was the one where I threw my Baylor jersey on. Um, My first NBA game that I've ever been to was – and Atlanta Hawks game where I was actually a part of so um, I was never the child to go watch college basketball or go to NBA games I was just more focused on family um, doing what I had to do to be there for my my younger brother whose father passed before he was born um, being there for my mother sometimes couldn't even go to high school basketball after practice because I had to come home and watch my siblings but Everything happens for a reason. I do it all over again, times 10, and now I'm in a great position to continue to take care of mine. You talk
0: about that adaptability, and you've had it in your life, and it's a pretty good – it's a pretty important quality in this league. It's not just where you get traded and change teams, but teammates are changing, your coaches change. Like you'll never – it's pretty rare in this league where you have like a framework that – just keeps going and I, I do think that's imagine you see that around you not everybody adapts to it
1: yeah. real well yeah I, I agree um it'll take you a long way it'll allow your mind not to focus on the quote-unquote negative things that you may think are negative but um it'll allow you to reverse it into a positive and like I said the mind is the mind has the strength to move move cars and boulders um and in, in the grand scheme of things so if if you look at it that way, I mean, you, if you allow negative situations to allow your mind to think negative, it's only going to turn into another negative situation. So I try to stay positive throughout every situation in life and um, know that there's always a, a brighter side to the darkness.
0: Torrin, you, you'll play again with Kyrie here I think probably fairly soon. Kevin Durant is rehabbing and plan is he'll play next season. Um you live in the present but when you think about what it might what what you expect it's gonna be like here a chance to compete for titles and you, you're starting to get a sense of Kenny Atkinson, the organization, the other guys you're playing with, what, what what do you imagine this is all gonna look like? You know, maybe by next by next year.
1: Oh man. I don't know, it's hard it's hard to think that far, especially for, for myself. I'm big on Stand in the present and, and take advantage of the now but if I had to guess and make a very educated guess I think we definitely have the ability and, and obviously the the right uh, primary pieces to be champions um, it's all about the everyday work though it's all about being consistent and um, doing the same thing every day to, in order to get better and I'm not not settling on just being good. And I think those are the teams that end up making it all the way, the ones who aren't satisfied on just being good, and they want to get every single possession correct. And I think the more that you think that way, the more chance you'll you'll have to be champions. Torian, thanks for doing this, man. No, for sure. Thank you, man.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Woj Pod. A big thank you to our guest, Brooklyn Nets forward Torian Prince. Be sure to listen to new and archived episodes of The Woj Pod wherever you get your pods. And of course, join us Sunday night, 7 p.m. on ESPN2, the return of the Woj and Lowe show, the starting line to the trade deadline. And of course, don't forget to download and subscribe to Zach's podcast, The Low Post with Zach Lowe, and Brian Windhurst and the Hoop Collective. You can get those pods wherever you listen to your shows.